Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis. I wish you would. Talk Memphis. You sound so good. Talk Memphis. High on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. What a program do we have lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about some reasons why Americans today face this fear or just maybe we're just the anxiety that creates this problem. And I think it stems back all the way back to the recession of 2008, 2007, 8, 9, when we really went through this problem of saying, I want to retire, but I couldn't. But now we're still looking at it and we're afraid. Well, I hate that word, afraid to retire. Americans either, we're looking at it, we're just not confident, and nor are we prepared. I mean, you look at debt, the marital disruptions that are putting putting women into some type of a vulnerable problem or financial position that they hadn't thought about. We're going to talk about that. Talk about retirees and that have been counting on Social Security, but they really don't know enough about Social Security to to really have planned through it. And all of a sudden, they have to make decisions. They, they're they told it's time to get enrolled in Medicare, Medicare, and they don't know exactly whether should I do this, should I do that. Well, guess what? All of those particular questions and concerns that you have is today's program. And then you get into the second half of the program. I'm going to talk about long-term care because you have to make that decision. So when you think about it, I can understand when the word fear comes into our minds, into our thought process about literally I'm afraid to retire. So what happens? You continue to work whether you like it or not. You know, some like, hey, I love what I do, so I want to continue to work. I happen to be one of those. Uh, but then some people say, oh, I, yeah, I just don't really think I want to quit because of this or that. And sometimes that's not good. And then some say, you know, I'm tired, but I don't know what to do. Well, when it's long-term care, whether it's the fear of just retiring or Social Security, marital disruption, longevity, you know, guess what? People are living longer. And so that puts us into that environment of thinking, hey, I know that I worked for 40 years and now I'm going to retire and I'm going to be around for 40 years. <laughs> guess what? When you start and you're working, it's one thing, but when you retire... And all of a sudden you realize, hmm, I got to do this for a long time. And by the way, most of us do. I don't think, when I started in the business, reality was if I could get somebody to 65, 66 and they retired, I only had to do about six or seven more years. But today, literally, we are thinking about 30 years of retirement. Many statistics that we're going to go through today's show helps you see some of the concerns that you have. And I think it's going to be important that we drive down deep enough to help you, and by the way, I want to make sure everybody's listening, that it's not about baby boomers. It's about millennials, Gen Xers. It doesn't make any difference. All of us are faced with it. All of us fear the thought process. Well, that's the program. Now, guess what? I've got two guests, Ted Miner, Jeff Grimm. They're the experts. They're going to help us understand it. We're going to do a lot of statistics, a lot of stuff to go with it, a lot of things to look at. Nearly half of Americans are underprepared for retirement. 
And that's what we're going to talk about. We'll be back right after this. Jim Shoemaker, Ted Miner, and Jeff Grimm are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from The Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking today with two of my guests, or my guests today, two people. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Ted Miner and Jeff Grimm. Welcome to the program, guys. Hey, Jim. Thanks. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know, guys, here's what we're looking at. Uh, One of the biggest issues that I think is everybody now hears the Republicans are going to throw away Obamacare. So, you know, I mean, I can understand. I know we talk with people all the time in the office that are... There's this concern, well, is is this going to be better? Is it going to be worse? I mean, eight years ago, we were going through this, is this going to be better? Is this going to be worse? And, I mean, the jury's out. I mean, people might say, oh, it was a disaster, it was terrible, or no, it was good. Uh, you know, it doesn't make a difference. It just creates that anxiety. And so I think when we think about today, we're talking, Ted, specifically about being a fear and this fear is not just with the baby boomers. We might think that people close to being retiring, close to that retirement age, would say, well, this is, I am concerned. But it's not. You've discovered that basically it's across the board. It is. It is, Jim. And, and I think from when you talk about the, the millenniums and the Gen Xers, though, their biggest concern is what they've experienced in their lifetime with the economy and and the uh, the 2008 crisis and what they've seen about the the banks and everything they're just they're not saving enough money and stuff so there's that that concern that with them. concern from that Jeff I know you talked to a lot of um, millennials I mean just uh, yesterday I met one of your guys that you were one of your clients do you sense that same thing from them too that there's this mindset that it it is just I just I don't know what to do I think there's a big concern I think a lot of the younger folks don't believe that Social Security is going to be here just because of all the all the deficits of our government and everything. I think that's a good point. I know it's complicated, guys. People today are concerned with not only health care costs, they're concerned about living too long. Uh, not everybody, you know, when you think about it, you, now that when you look at it, there's just, I'm not prepared, I'm not thinking about it, I, ge- I need to think, I mean, it's you just don't know, it's that stop and go, stop and go, and the government's contributing to it. And I think you've got uh, people that literally are beginning to retire and living a long time. Let's start with that. I really talk about people today are living much longer than they used to. Well, Jim, that's that's so true. It's interesting. I last home last night when I got home uh, on my dining room table was a cover of the current issue of Forbes magazine, and on the cover. Uh, there's a genome expert there, and it talks about. And I haven't read the article, but on the cover it says that he's got a, he has raised three hundred million dollars for his practice and expects to become a billionaire. He charges twenty five thousand dollars for a physical and expects to add many many years to people's lives. 
Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's a mindset. I mean, think about it. Long-term longevity has been on the upward trend for decades. I mean, I can literally, I said it at the beginning in the monologue that we talked about. The reality is that when I started in the business, if I could get a person retired at 66 and he could, you know, give him six, seven, at the most 10 years. And today, you know, science, uh, we are living long. You're talking about the gal in Forbes, healthier. We're living healthier, more active lives. We're eating better. And therefore, plans today need to go out somewhere 10, 20, 30 years. What, we, what they're finding on some of the uh, statistics, though, they're finding that a lot of people are saying, I don't know that I want to live that long. <laughs> and, and people are saying, you know, you got this conflict. They're concerned about health care, but then they're concerned about living too long. Well, you know, I had someone in the office yesterday, and we were going through their plan. And uh, this is a widow. And uh, she's in great shape. She's done a great Her husband did a great job. We've been working with them. And it was kind of ironic as we was doing it. We said age 90, and it was all green. She looked great. So we went to 94, and she was all great. Went to 95, and she's and I went to 100. She said, whoop, no, uh-uh. I don't want to live to be 100, is what she was saying. Well, people don't know the statistics. They don't know what the statistics are from just a standpoint of living, especially couples. that are, They don't think about that when they start planning. They don't look into the mid-90s because when you look over two lives, your statistics tell us that there's a great probability that one of them is going to live into their mid-90s. Well, all right, let's talk about this. Let's put this into the some real numbers, because I don't think people know what you're about to talk about. I know I didn't. I know when you were sitting down and preparing me for the program, it was a, a shocker to realize the cost. Now, I know we talk about Obamacare, whether, again, the Affordable Care Act was designed to provide good health insurance for the majority of people. Whether it was successful or not, that's not what we're talking about today. Whether the Republicans come in and change something, that's not what we're talking about. But you've got some statistics. I mean, the really that a retiree has to have so many dollars in their retirement. These are This is not something that Ted Miner came up with or, or Jeff Grimm. You just guys didn't get together and pull this number out of the sky. This is a legitimate statistic. Talk about it. Well, there's there's tons of statistics here, and really, and, and we'll be going over some of them, but I think that some of the scary statistics is not what you need to have. It's the fact that when they do the polling, nobody has it. Right. Or most, I say nobody. A lot of the people don't have it. Okay. And when you sit down and you start talking about retirement, a lot of people don't understand the implication of inflation. They don't understand the implication of buying power. And so when you start talking about what the money does over a number of years, they, they think that if I can live on $50,000 a day, I can live on $50,000 20 years from now. Well, you had talked about Fidelity did a study on, on some people that uh, they forecast that for women that uh, they would need about a hundred, a woman would need about $135,000 from her lifetime, from retirement to death. Now, this is an average. For just health care cost, $130. Now, a man doesn't live as long because we get more out. Right, that's right. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. They're just better, healthier. Mm-hmm. Uh, 125 So now we're talking about a married couple. By, on average, you're talking about literally a quarter of a million dollars. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And when someone's sitting down and, and you, they hit that big number at one time, they think a quarter of a million dollars. And they look at what they've got in savings. They say, how in the world am I going to pay for my health care in retirement. And that's one of the huge, huge fears. Now for clarity, let's make sure we understand. If I've got a need, if I, my income need is per year $50,000, I'm 
I've got some Social Security that will be there. And, and Jeff, I think the government will keep it around because, you, you know, even though I know people think that, and I do understand, I think it'll be, it may not, it may, you have to be 80 years old before you can yeah, they, get it. They can tweak a few changes yeah, they, and make they it make a few, But it'll be there. But the reality is you got health care coming in. I mean, you got the health care cost, but you got Social Security, which is paying something. And then you've got maybe your 401k that you've you know built up. So you got the, and so you got a fifty thousand dollar need. But what you're saying is, keep in mind fifty thousand dollars of income. But in that fifty thousand dollars on a monthly basis, you're paying Medicare premiums, healthcare costs, me, you know, medicines that you're having to take. Which we all know that that's why some people are living longer. It's because we are taking healthcare is just doing a great job in pro- providing us, and we're doing a better job of taking care of ourselves. But the reality is a quarter of a million dollars over a period of time, from uh, on average, a family is going to need, and that's got to come out of their budget. You know, Jim, the, the, I think the biggest concern about that number was the fact that that number went up 18% in two years. That is a concern. And, and I mean, that's a red light. Yeah, when, when you have expenses that are going up that quickly and people, you, you know, I mean, they realize inflation has been very low for the last, you know, 10 years, and then you got inflation going up. That much in two years, that's that's humongous. I know you said to me earlier that retirees today, and, and with the statistics again that you've got, I know this came from LIMRA, the Life Insurance Management Research Association, where they did a study from their, uh, their, their Retirement Security Institute that literally families that have retired, now this is talking about families that have retired, that are one health care crisis away from financial collapse. Yeah, the, the numbers are, when people are presented the fact, and I think they used a term of like $15,000 in that survey when they said, okay, if you have something that costs this much money, uh, how will you deal with it? And most of them realized that if they were hit with $15,000 in medical bill, that it would absolutely change their whole retirement plan. And that's, uh, that's, that's why when we talk about the program, we, we titled this program Fear of Retirement. Whether Whatever's causing it, I mean, it can be the Affordable Care Act, it can be what government's doing. It doesn't make any difference. But we're all walking around with this mindset of exactly what I do, and you give that statistic, I can see why. And the fact that a quarter of a million dollars is up 18% from just two years ago. And a lot of people have to make a lot of decisions and it's difficult to put all that together. If you just tuned in, I'm talking with two great guys that know what's they know what they're doing when it comes to financial planning. Ted Miner, Jeff Grimm, you can give them a call at the office at 757-5757. Want to remind you that Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law and probate planning. For all generations, that's what they do. We appreciate the Bailey Law Firm a lot. Guys, I'm, I'm thinking there was a consumer survey that was done that you talked about earlier that said that literally people, what they spend on health care in 2014 was five thousand, almost $6,000. But from that was from 65 to 74, 12% of their budget. And then at, you know, by the time they get to 75 it was up to 15% of the budget. It consistently grows. Now, if they're not planning, what would you tell somebody? How do you guide somebody through that process, Ted, where they say you've got to think about this cost going up faster than inflation? Well, when we sit down with someone who's planning for retirement, certainly the first thing we do is we, we look at all those inventories they have, the pieces of the puzzle that they have out there, and we talk about what Medicare can do them, what they will provide for them, 
uh, certainly, and this kind of goes to what Jeff will be talking about later. You know, the big the big thing thing hanging out there is that that some people can afford it and some people can't is the whole long-term care issue. Those numbers, Jim, that you quote, don't even deal with if there's a long-term care issue that someone has, and that is the the huge destructor of estates. We like to think of it, uh, put it in the, that term, because when a long-term care issue happens to someone, it can absolutely just take everything they've got to survive through something like that. You know, one of the things that years ago people would talk about, we had asked the question, what do you fear most about retirement? And that's been 35, 40 years ago. And they would say, number one, outliving their retirement, their money. Well, guess what? According to what you've done with your research is the bottom line is today. What's the number one problem? Fear of outliving my money. It hadn't changed, but we don't do anything about it. Well, they, you know, people have an excitement about retirement. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things is there's, there's the, the psychological issue. People a lot of times have a, have a time they want to retire. And sometimes it's historical. Sometimes it's because they want to do certain things. But uh, when they come to get close to that number and they think, I'm going to retire now, uh, and they sit down and start going through planning, some, then they start looking at things and they get concerned. But sometimes they don't get concerned enough to back off and say, maybe I ought to wait a couple of years. Yeah. A lot of times because of their fear of the market, right, when they retire, they go to straight to cash. Oh, you're a good point. And then once you're in cash, you're not keeping up with inflation. Yeah, and that's critical, too, because, it, as again, as you're living longer, Jeff, what you're saying is the reality is people all of a sudden find themselves behind the eight ball 5, 10, 15 years because their money is not keeping up with inflation. You know, we find that people uh, think about retirement. I, I usually tell people you either need a lot of time or a lot of money, and it's good to have both when you start savings for retirement. <laughs> Un- right. un- unfortunately, you get people that they don't start thinking about it. They want to retire at 65, so at 63, they call you and say, hey, we want to come in and talk about retirement. All right, that's a good question because I know that you're, you're from the one of the, the research new, you know, the Research Now group came back with a statistic that, that I really, I find that to be kind of a heart thing there. 43% of the said the reason why they don't do the planning they feel like it's more complex today. It's too complex. They they don't understand it. They don't know where to start. And I, I get that. So let's stop for just a second. Take a deep breath. I mean, here's the thought. I'm thinking of somebody listening to us right now that says, I get it, guys. I am fear. I, I have a fear. But what do you tell them when, they sit down, when you sit down with them? Ted, I want you to think about the same question, Jeff, because I've got a guy that's over 50 and a guy under 40. So I want you to think about your generation and who you're talking to. And that fear, because that's our job, guys, whether we like it or not, at the end of the day, we're the heroes, the guides. They're the heroes. They're the ones that we're trying to work for. We're doing a movie here. The whole idea is get them where they can ride out into the sunset on their horse and do all their stuff together or their wagon or whatever. But the reality is we're their guide. How do you guide them through, Ted? That's a baby boom generation. You know, and before I say that, let me make a comment on the, the statistics you just quoted. When you think about what employers have done, just from a from a benefit standpoint, used two years ago, you had the defined benefits. They had pensions. And so it's much easier for them to think of from an income stream. Today, they got a defined contribution plan. Now, a lot of that, how much is contributed, what they do, how to invest it, falls, falls on, on them. That falls on, falls on the employee. And many of them aren't taking that initiative. Mm. They they set up their they set up the amount of money that's taken out of the paycheck. They don't check it. They don't look at the investment. They don't know what to invest in. And so when it comes time for retirement, it's all been on them. And now they've got a lump sum of money can be sm- can be large, can be small. They really don't know what to do with it. It's much easier for them from a from a planning standpoint to think, hey, I've got an income stream of thirty thousand dollars a year instead of having. 
$500,000 a year of this lump sum. What do I do with it? So it does come become complex. For Is them. that procrastination? It's procrastination, for, absolutely, from the standpoint of they, they're not dealing with it up until the time they have to make a decision about when they want to retire. All right, we've got to take a break in a few minutes. Okay, here we are. I want you to go back to my question. What do you say to that 55-year-old? And, Jeff, what do you say to that 35-year-old? So start, Ted. Well, the 55-year-old, depending on when they want to retire, statistics also show that people that are retiring at 50, that it's 13% today. And 10 years ago, it was 27%. So half the people that were retiring 10 years ago in the 50s uh, are doing it today. Uh, for the person that's 55 and is going to retire at 65, the one thing I do, the first thing I do is I go to the Social Security and I try to define what that Social Security benefit is going to be for them and help them understand what it can be if they wait till say, 70. I always try to plan the Social Security first because the Social Security dollar has more value than anything else. All right. What I want to do, we're going to talk about debt in a few minutes because I, I know there's a huge problem with debt. Jeff, what do you see? I mean, here you are sitting down with that 35-year-old professional. You're guiding them through. They're wanting to buy the house, the car. they got this in mind. They're taking the big vacation. How do you help a person begin to move through that process? Well, I mean, they are kind of stuck in fear to procrastinate it's easier not to think about it and put it off. So I sit down with them. I say, hey, look, let's see what X amount of dollars will do for at your age versus what how much is contributing the same amount in 20 years from now. Mm. And let's add the numbers up and see what it looks like. So you're saying do it now where you got advantage of time. You said that Ed, to Ted earlier. You got the advantage of time on your hands. And so that means you don't have to put as much money in it? Exactly. So say Roth IRA, you know, 5500 a year. I'm not saying that's enough to retire on, but let's take— It's a let's, start. Yeah, let's let's grow that over 20 years and then look at what it takes to when you're 60 years old and starting. Well, guys, I, you know, we're, we're, we're set to—you know, this is a fast-paced show, but the reality is we're talking about something very serious to a lot of our listeners. It's retirement. Whether you're 35 or 55, you got you can't procrastinate. Because it is going to be like the train is coming. <laughs> when you're 35, it's at the very far end of the tunnel, but you can barely see it. 55, it's real close. 65, it is on you big time. And you got to have done something. Well, if you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM. We're going to be back in a few minutes uh, with more of Ted Miner and Jeff Grimm. The majority of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. Hey. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult with their tax and or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. My guests today, Jeff Grimm and Ted Miner. If you'd like to talk to them, let's, uh, just give them a call at 901-757-5757. And uh, just if you got a question about retirement, or as you'll hear in a few minutes, Jeff Grimm at Long-Term Care, they'll be glad to help you with it. That's uh, kind of what we want you to understand. They're here for you. Let me say this, Ted. People today, 
you know, we talk about, you know, the fear. We've been talking about Obamacare. We've talked, all the problems, the anxiety the, of retiring. But people worry. They might be worried about outliving their savings. <laughs> well. Because they don't have any well, savings. Well, when you, when you read the numbers here, when you hear the numbers, you understand why people have the fear. 69% of the people have less than $1,000 in their account. You know, account. when you told me that in preparation for today's program, we were thinking about it. I just, I'll be honest, I, I thought... I can't. This is not possible. We're in the business of helping people have savings. I would love to ask that question and find out how in the world did they get that. Jeff, what's your thoughts? I think that's a spending problem. If, if anything, you know, it's definitely procrastination. But you have a thousand dollars in the savings account. That's probably all the excess money you have. You know, that's a great point. I had somebody come to me one time. They were about 55, 56 years old, and they were saying, well, okay, we're t- ready to retire. <laughs> well, they did. They said, yeah. hey, well, give them credit, though, guys. They were 10 years from retirement. Now, when I sat down with them and, uh, you know, I went through this process and I said, okay, guys, what are you thinking? You know, what do you want to do? And, you know, let's, let's tell me your ideas. Well, they did. They said, okay, 10 years. Now, and Jeff, you said it. They had a spending problem. They had saved nothing. I mean, literally, the 401k plan had less than Mm $25,000 in it. And this guy, and I looked and I thought, okay, tell me what's going to change today in your lifestyle that you're now going to be able to set aside to grow up at least a quarter of a million, a half a million. I mean, no way could I do that. I mean, there's just, unless they completely change, Jeff, as you're saying, a spending issue, they had been spending their money and not saving it. Ted, I know you're chomping on the bit to tell me this statistic. Well, I, I am. I know and, this and, was and, big. and this is what blew, blew my mind when I read the numbers, Jim, is that because you think of somebody with $100,000 worth of income, they ought to be able now, to. Now, I'm talking about family. It sure. could be one individual making 100000 or family making 100000 45% of people making $100,000 have less than $1,000 in savings. I mean, you know, this was done by Go Bank, and uh, this survey was done, and may- maybe it was that people so we're had, not making these. No, we're not making these numbers up at all. <laughs> but that blew my mind too. And you know, you talked about, uh, you gave an example there of somebody coming to meet you. We, I had a meeting just yesterday with a couple that first time I met them came from a came from a a, a program I did on pre retirement. And you know, as we sat down and started planning, I, I really felt sorry for the situation they're in. Not that the desire wasn't there, not that they didn't have the funds to be able to do something. They had actually started things years ago, but they had put money into an annuity that hadn't done anything 20 years ago, mm. hadn't done anything. And they thought they, they had, thought they had these things that were growing. And when we start ch- looking at it, they had it in a fixed account for, for, for 20 so years. So they had something, but they didn't, they hadn't done the proper amount of planning. They hadn't thought about it. They had not stayed current with whoever it. had. Worked with them on that product had not worked with them enough. In other words, they, were, they had lost that right. intensity of what they were trying. You know what? I was shocked to find out that 62% of the people aged 65 or older have less than $1,000. And thirty-three, a third had no, no money in savings at all. So now, Jeff, you mentioned earlier, and I think this was great, that sometimes it's a spending problem. And we find out today that a lot of people are in debt. Enormous. Now, we've seen any, since the recession, we've paid a lot of debt down, but debt is the number one stress creator in a family today, according to GoBank rating, you know, that, that survey that you were talking mm, about. That's right. So we're, we're debt ridden. We get caught up in buying things and people spend that, the, the mortgage debt, you know, you, you've, you've gotten past that process 
and all of a sudden you go out and you spend money. The, I think that, that you have something about the good news, though, to this, Ted, is what? What's the good news? 51% report they have no debt at all. And that's good. That that was also that's, surprising that's to me. Very surprising, yeah. It's so. not that all debt's bad. There is good debt. Sure. You know, student loan debt can be good, you know, assuming that you can get a good job coming out of college. Uh, and that, that's not a bad debt. That's That's investing in yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Well... All right, guys, here's one thing that I'm thinking about that I really want to dive into. 80% of retired women, okay, currently collecting Social Security benefits, took those benefits early, and the survey said that they missed out on the increased income earned by delaying their claim. In other words, they if they would have delayed it, and we talk, I just had on Kurt Zarnowski last week talking about Social Security, and people do this Again, Ted, I know you talk to a lot of people about Social Security because you help them understand it. But why does that happen? Well, a lot of times it happens because they've got a date. they got to have money. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's it, they do it because they just have to have the money. Other times they can go to Social Security Administration, and a lot of times it's not explained to them that every year they wait, it goes up 8%. Uh, we also have an underlying uh, factor that's that's dealt with also with statistics that shows that Unfortunately, today, we've got many of the 50-year-olds, they actually uh, have even got a term for it, that uh, that have what's called gray divorce, the older people that uh, that are having that issue. Yeah, go through this divorce problems, and that creates all kind of, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that, maybe, and I, I think we, a good thing I want to get with Jeff is, so here we're talking about this whole process, and I want to get into long-term care, and I want to really find out that. But when we talk about the the woman where they're, they're, she started too early, Sixty-one percent of the women in that survey that was that was done by the Retirement Institute survey, this is what they said, admitted that if they had their financial advisor could not show them how to maximize their benefit, they would switch to someone else. And the reality is, as we know, a lot of people just don't want to get into that detail to help people understand. Guys, that's our job is to be guides when we're going through this maze of financial. And, and that's, that's it's, a big decision. That's when a you big take decision. that, you can't, you can't come out of it. Absolutely. That's the big part. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, we'll take a break. We're going to go to the Mid-South History Moment with Rebecca Brazier. When we come back, I want to know the cost and what does long-term care really benefit in the family when they're doing their retirement. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Memphis changed forever in 1909 when W.C. Handy first came to Bill Street. A song originally written for E.H. Crump's mayoral race established Handy as the first blues musician when the sheet music was published three years later under the title Memphis Blues. After his parents wouldn't let him buy a guitar, Handy devoted every spare moment of his time to playing a cornet. As a young man, Handy worked odd jobs and played in orchestras from Alabama to Indiana until forming a successful band in 1893. But the constant touring and low pay wore on Handy, who traveled with his band until they finally settled in Memphis, where through his writing and playing, he fused his own African-American heritage with American culture as a whole. His music brought people together, and his popularity spanned across racial divides in a radically new way. Although Handy rests in peace today, he lives forever in the Memphis blues. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money, as you know, is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm. 
estate planning, elder law, and probate, planning for all generations. And I want to thank them. They're one of our key players in what we do and the fact that they're able to help you move through a lot of those questions that you have when it comes to setting down and planning for retirement or working through your estate. It's all about elder law. The Mac Bailey Law Firm, Mac Bailey and his team, spends a lot of time with you, answers a lot of questions, and we're proud to have them as one of our sponsors. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And my guest today is Jeff Grimm and Ted Miner. We're talking about the fear that we have with retirement, the anxiety that it creates in a lot of people, and the fact that, you know, you just got to start planning. And whether you're 35 or 55, never too late. Don't procrastinate. And here's a subject that you get into. Do you need long-term care? Well, I wish I had a crystal ball, and I wish I could open it up and show you. Well, yes, you do, or maybe you don't. There are times when... Long-term care is critical, as Ted Ted said to us. Sometimes we're just a, just a brink of a small crisis away from a financial disaster. Well, let me tell you, if you happen to be one of those couples that has to put one person, one of the members of that family, into a long-term care facility, it puts a tremendous burden on the one that's not there because you've got to pay for the cost. And you don't want to have to make that decision and say, well, I I don't want you to do this. Never, never do you want to make that decision. But you also have to keep your home, which is not a problem. But you've got all those issues of, you know, your life is still there. And now you've got to go and visit the person that's in the care facility. That's a problem. So, you know, here's the deal. Long-term care is a range of services and supports that you may need to get your personal care needs. Now, so keep that in mind. It's personal care needs. It's range of services and supports. Most long-term care is not medical care. That's the biggest confusion for a lot of people, but it's assistance with the basic personal task of everyday life. We call those activities of daily living. Jeff, tell me what those are. Tell our listeners what those are, and then I want you to really get into the need. As far as insurance is concerned, long-term care insurance, there's six activities a day of living that can allow you to go on claim. And they are bathing, eating, dressing, continence, toileting, and transferring, and also cognitive impairments such as Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, okay, from that standpoint. And I know that you say, who needs care, though? What is the, what's the reality there? Well, Jim, if you're going to bet against insurance companies and win and and actually use your insurance, you have the best odds of doing that with long-term care. Because if you live to 65, you have a 70% chance of using long-term care services in your life. And that that statistically, you're you're going to use long-term care insurance if you purchase it. Now, when we were talking about retirement, guys, Ted, you were saying that we're seeing longevity. You mentioned a Forbes article right. that this guy's going to become a billionaire helping people to live longer and staying in good health. But I know Jeff would tell us that if you're going to live a long time, it's going to be a great chance that one of the family members is going to live, go end up in long-term care. Well, I think technology has helped us to keep people alive a long period of time. We just haven't done well at keeping them healthy for a long period of time. I got it. Now, my wife and I talk about that. You know, again, talking about the lady that was in the office yesterday, she said, don't count me out, you know, count me out before 100 because she's not, you know, again, you're saying that. I mean, what kind of life, if I can't keep everything working, 
you know, at 100, I'm not sure I want to be around. I have a good friend of mine. My wife and I saw him at a basketball game last week. He's been a friend for 40 years. And honestly, we both looked at each other when we shook his hand and said, hi, he's 82 today. He didn't look a bit older today than he did 30 years ago at 52. And I'm, I mean, and I, we're going, man, what is he doing to stay that young? And people do that. My my dad's 86. He still plays golf. He still drives a car. Lily's dad's 96 years old. But now going to long-term care, to Jeff's subject, he's he's had his daughter looking after him for nearly 10 years yeah. in his home. Yeah. And, you know, that's what a lot of people say. You know, I know my mom, the last couple of years of her life, we had her in long-term care. And that wasn't that we wanted to do that. We could not provide, my sister and I could not provide the care. I mean, we couldn't do those things that she needed to have done. It just wasn't possible. And so that's the key is the, the thinking of that, planning for that, not waiting till you, all of a sudden you're faced with that decision, and then what are you going to do? Jeff, how much do you need, by and large? What, how do people plan that? Well, the average stay is about two and a half years. Women statistically stay in a, a care facility longer than men. So there's no there's no one number, but it's kind of based on in, in financial planning is how many, how much assets you have because it's a big asset protection strategy. Okay, talk about that for a second. When you say asset protection, I mean, are you saying that if I end up where I've got my wife is going to go, you know, into long term, or say it's me, that's would be the more reality. I'm going into a long term care facility. I'm going to be pulling assets away from her and to take care of me is what you're thinking. The protections out of that. Uh, yes. So help me with that. Help, how do you help somebody through that decision-making process? Well, we, we look at the assets they have to use for retirement income. If they have $200,000 and, say, one person in the married couple goes on claim for two years, that's $130,000, $135,000 a year, at least in the cost in Tennessee. Because the, uh, the annual cost of a nursing home in Tennessee is $70,000, mm. maybe even more. Even more. And I mean, that continues to ratchet up. Ted, when you're talking through with someone, do they think when you say Medicare, you know, do you, what's the, I mean, I know Medicare doesn't pay for long-term care. Yeah, and I think that's a, again, that's an education process. And a lot of people, when they're sitting there and we, we bring up the subject of long-term care, there's, uh, they talk, they talk about the fact that, well, they've got family members and, and they got Medicare and, you know, Medicare doesn't take care of that. Well, I know that you can say that, you know, Medicare would take care of a person if they're in, in, in long-term care, if it's skilled services and rehabilitative care, but not if they're going to be there for several years. In fact, I think they only cover you for 100 days. And most long-term care is not skilled services. It's right. non-skilled. You need help living, two activities of daily living. Yeah, yeah and that's critical for a lot of people to realize. It's not, it's not just cut and dry, as we're saying. It's tougher. You know, Jim, getting back to what, what you were saying earlier, you know, a lot of people, when you talk about long-term care, don't understand the thought process. And I'll let people use their imagination a little bit with this when it comes to the type of care you need with long-term care. I don't want my children taking care of me in the way that a person with long-term care needs needs to be taken care of. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell a personal story here because, I mean, that was my mother when she was in the hospital. And I'm a corpsman. I was a corpsman in the Navy. So I understood hospitals. I understood taking care of patients. Uh, I can remember having to take care of my mother. Now, you can just do what I, I don't have to get into the details. But if you're taking care of a sick person, you're doing things sometimes that you really don't particularly want to do. My mother 
love her to death. Uh, she was great. And sometimes she said, I can't believe you're doing this, you know. And <laughs> I said, Mom, I got to do it, you know. That. Well, the nurses would come in, and, of course, they would say, we have never, ever seen a son take care of their mother the way you do. Now, I told them, I said, well, I'm a corpsman. That helped them understand. I, I would I had been a corpsman. But the reality is, you're right. People don't want to have to do that. That's difficult to do. It's hard to do. That's what Jeff's talking about. The skill services of taking care of those six things. And those are tough. And that's important. When we come back, guys, I want to find out about Medicaid. I want to know, because a lot of people need to understand the benefits of Medicaid and what we can do. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guests today, Jeff Grimm and Ted Miner. And we're talking about long-term care, a subject that if you don't have it, you might need to consider it. It's your choice. It is, as Jeff said, uh, protection, asset protection insurance. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time. It is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. Uh, I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Ted Miner and Jeff Grimm. You're listening to KWAM 990, and we're talking about retirement planning, a subject that uh, is so critical for a lot of people, the fear and the care and the anxiety, and we're also talking about long-term care and why it's important, especially when you think about having to be the family member that's doing, they're taking care of putting somebody into long-term care, whether it's a facility or you're going to try to do your take care of it yourself. Guys, for the break, uh, I, we got into this whole process of Medicare, and we, we said, okay, you, you know, skill services, rehabilitative, rehabilitative care. I can't hardly say that. I'll get my tongue fixed one day. The reality is, and Jeff, you said it, most of the time, long-term care is not skill services, or rehabilitative care. Now, it could be. In my, in my case, my mother failed, broke her hip, was in the hospital for almost uh, six weeks, a month, finally moved to rehabilitative care. Medicare was paying for that. And then finally, we thought, we were hoping, everybody does, she would get out, go back home, be able to take care of herself, and we would do okay. That didn't happen. And, and, and you know, she was 89 years old. All right? That's the reality. Now, what about Medicaid? Medicare, we think one way, Medicaid another. Help me with that. Yeah, Medicaid actually pays the largest percentage of long-term care costs. But Medicaid is also, you have to spend down all of your assets to qualify. Or have no assets. You know. I have no assets to qualify, and there's lots of rules, lots of planning that needs to be done. There's also a five-year look back. You can't just suddenly go on a claim, give all your assets to a family member, then think you're going to qualify it. No, that doesn't count. Yeah, that's a that's a misnomer. But from a standpoint of planning, let's let's take someone that doesn't have a now now we're not talking right now about the, the million dollar estate. Okay? Now that's still asset protection. We're talking about the person who has maybe two hundred thousand, 
$150,000, in their savings, retirement, whatever mm-hmm. they've done, Ted, they did a good job. They're definitely better than the average statistic, okay, that we were talking about earlier. So they've been able to set some money by. They're still married. And whether it's, you know, something's happened, cancer, heart attack, stroke, whatever you want to call it is, now they're going to, they're faced with that need and they don't have a lot of money. And so they go into taking care of that, and what's going to happen? Here's here's the concern that I have that we deal with every day. I'm going to have to tell them, guys, mom, you're going to have to stay at the house. You don't have a lot of money left. Dad, you're going to. I'm, Dad may not be willing to make the decision. We got to take care of you, and it's going to cost Jeff. You said it's seventy thousand dollars a year. I can do that for how many years with two hundred thousand dollars? Three. And what's mom going to do? Well, mom's either going to have to live off the Social Security or she, she, she she's keep, in trouble. Yeah, she is in trouble. She's got the house. You know, they, they, they allow them to keep the house because she's right. got a spouse. Right. If he was by himself, he'd have to get rid of the, the house. house. Yeah. And so how, how is mom going to take care of dad in all reality? Well, she's not. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking right now of a particular couple that uh, this would not. She weighs about 95 and he weighs about 250. There's no way she could do that. But here's the reality. They're going to end up having to take care of that facility with that way and pull the money away. So what we need to understand now, at some point, Medicare, you know, would take well, not Medicare, Medicaid would take care of this, but it only takes care of the you know the facility. They're not going to come back to her and say, "Oh, by the way, we'll give you your money back," you know, three years ago, and give you all that. She's done. Yeah, the Medicaid requires them to spend down those assets and. And it's kind of sad because Medicaid, too, uh, one of the options you have with long-term care is the facility that you go into, and the care is much, much better. Yeah, that's the – well, no, no, that, that's just, I don't okay. disagree, but I don't agree. I mean, that's a little bit – I think you're right. If you start in Medicare facility, that Medicaid facility, that might be the case. But if you start in private – private pay and then go to Medicaid, right. you're okay. You yes. don't, they don't kick you out of that and move. And let's, let's put this down. You really don't see that big of a difference. Now, if you happen to have a big, huge insurance policy, you may have the greatest place and the greatest facility. Yeah, that may be a little different. But don't I don't want us to leave the image that Medicaid is bad. Because Medicaid does take care of the person. But even get, get into that. If you didn't have the option to begin with, you wouldn't be there. Exactly, exactly. Well, I know it's tough. It's tough on everybody. Jeff, I, I think so many people listening today has got to go, oh, my goodness, I need to think about this. But what's the best side of the story? Well, my grandmother, Jim, had a great advisor. And in the 90s, she got an unlimited benefit period long-term care policy for very cheap, which you can't even buy anymore. You can't get unlimited period benefit period, and it's very expensive to even purchase any long-term care. And now she had a stroke a while back, and now she's in a wonderful facility that is paying the full cost, and it'll pay it as long as she's alive. And there's no problem with the family? No no structural? I mean, the financial side, in other words, the insurance that she bought years ago is taking care of her the way the family wanted her to be taken care of. Absolutely. And we get to go see her and be happy. We're not working all day trying to take care of her and then missing out on our daily jobs. Well, you know, the guys, that's that's what I think people need to understand. There are some things to do. And what we tried to say today is planning gives you the guidance. We don't need to get caught up in wondering and get stuck and procrastinate or fear and do nothing. It's about the planning process. Jim, I, I have a two clients that are on an unlimited 
policy today, and had they not bought that policy when they were much younger, normally out of the picture for buying long-term care, they wouldn't have that great benefit today. And that is critical for us to talk about that. Guys, thank you so much for today's thank program. You, That's it. Ted Miner and Jeff Grimm. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. My producer and board operator, Gil Worth, is not here. He's having a baby today. So Jessica Stevens has done a wonderful job for us today, and I appreciate that, Jessica, much. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moscovich. Compliance, that's done by Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we're here every week helping you make the most of your money. Get down on it. Come on in. Jim Shoemaker, Ted Miner, and Jeff Grimm are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.